there's a lot of us out there for a long time who couldn't eat pancakes because there was this video. <laughs> oh. I don't even know what this is, but I'm already Oh my God, it cringing. was horrible. So it was a video we watched where this girl goes and spends the night at her friend's house. And while she's there, she has her first period. Did she put a pancake on her vagina? No. Ew. Well, <laughs> hold on. It's actually not that far <laughs> off. Hold on. This is Our Daily Red, a podcast during which we drink a bottle of red wine. Yes. We talk about something interesting we've read today. Maybe. And we attempt to have a provocative discussion without blowing up our marriage. Up for debate. That's Ashley. Hi. Oh, and his name is Jeffrey M. Barker. (laughs) And our kids are in bed. Thank the Lord. So what are we drinking? Well, you you picked it out, which I'm I'm exci- I was excited to see it because we met the winemaker and his lovely wife, who's the chief marketing officer. And is it one hundred sons or a hundred sons? You know, it just says hundred sons. Hundred sons. So not a hundred sons. Not one hundred. Just just hundred sons. So this is the old eight cut. It's a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley in Oregon, and it's a 2021. And if you know your Willamette wines, which we are sure you do, 2020 was a terrible year. Lots of smoke, lots of wildfire (laughs) smoke. A lot of producers simply cut the grapes to the ground and didn't produce anything. So this is the first vintage after that horrible wildfire year. And uh, yeah, we got this from the... The winemakers in their, uh, what do you call that? What do you, what do you call that? It's not a warehouse. I mean, it's kind of like a, their, 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 their work bottling area. Their, yeah, their area. facility. And yeah, we went in and tasted. They It was right before harvest. So that was, we were kind of their last Yeah, they were, they were getting ready for harvest. That's right. Yeah, so they were spraying out all of the barrels and getting everything ready. And it was cool. I mean, and what was really, what I, what I really loved about it is it, it is clearly a labor of love for the both of them. Uh, the winemaker, he actually designs all of the labels himself, which I think just goes to show that winemaking is is truly an art and a science, that you have to be a kind of a creative soul to get into the winemaking business. And I think this is just a, another indicator of, of that, particularly for this label. And they do a lot of what they call, you know, what is called... Um, single vineyard varietals so they do a lot of pinot noirs but all from different spots around oregon again ashley said this one's called the old eight cut which just refers to the vineyard name um and it's it's super super smooth super drinkable it is smooth i would say it's a it's a little bright it's got kind of like a bright funk funkiness to it uh it doesn't have kind of the darker rich flavors which I think I actually, I don't, well, I don't know. My palate goes back and forth on it's, this. It's young. I mean, it's young. This is 2021. Yeah. It probably could It's only could've... two years old. Like it, it could, this could absolutely stand up for another five years. It might be more, um, you know, a, a little more thoughtful in a couple of years time. But yeah, it tastes young. I was just reading a, a like a travel magazine story a week or two ago talking about the Willamette Valley in Oregon and how it's the new name it you know new napa or whatever it is yeah because it's not 
it's not overcrowded. It's not, uh, you know, spend $40 for a tasting. You still can talk to winemakers and, and get really close to the vineyards and the, the people who are actually making the wine. It's, you're not talking to um, just someone who's hired to pour and, you know, read tasting notes to you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's still true at a lot of places in Willamette. Yeah. And we should get there more often. We're only, uh, whatever, two and a half, three hours north of there. We should we should get there more often. I know. So, uh, I don't think you came prepared this evening. I A little bit. I will tell you, I'm still kind of low energy. Um, I think going out last night for dinner. On a Monday. On a Monday. Yeah. Really, like, fucked me up. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I was powering through today. I you was didn't, fine. You didn't mention, I mean, until this morning when you were like, hey, I don't know how I'm feeling. Uh, you didn't mention how much you'd had. We, we, we did get into a little argument, a little spat last night when you got home. But that wasn't my fault. I was, I was happy just to hang out. You were like, let's pick a fight. And I said, I'm not doing this. You clearly weren't, you weren't the diplomat. Uh, we'll say that. Uh, so I didn't realize that you had gone hard on a Monday night. I don't think it was that hard. It was just, I think it was just. Uh, I think I was just tired. Most people are not going hard on Monday night for reason. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like I'm dragging today. And this fellowship that I'm doing, I really love the educational component to it. But they do really index on the networking and getting to know people and doing breakout sessions. And I think that's all really good and, and important but it's, it's like social. It's still kind exhausting, of yeah. It takes even a, though it's over video. Yeah, it takes a little bit out of me, particularly as a as a natural born introvert, where I kind of feel like I'm performing. I feel like I have to play a part, and everybody has so much passion and energy on this topic, and it feels. I don't know if it's competitive because I think everybody wants to work together, but it definitely has this vibe of. Of everyone wants to go out and be like the next startup hero and make millions of dollars on saving the earth. And I, it was kind of nice. You just want to learn. I just want to learn. But I'm also starting to realize that where I can be of service is not being the person who goes out and pitches the million dollar idea. I think I kind of want to be the person who makes someone look better when they're pitching the million dollar idea. The gal behind the gal. Yeah, I like, I like being the puppet master pulling the strings. (laughs) <laughs> is that is that like altruistic i don't know it's a little bit disappointing that you don't want to be the person who has the big idea that's a little bit i mean don't don't we want all want to be the person who comes up with the big idea yeah actually no i don't i don't think everybody wants that in life and i think I'm honestly at a spot in my life where I've realized that's not the role I'm going to have. And I'm okay with being the rabble rouser who stands in the way of a chainsaw about to cut down a tree instead of going into a room full of investors and trying to get a bunch of money for like... Protecting trees. Green tech. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
right now I'm, I'm okay being a, like in a service role and making other people's ideas shine. I feel okay about that. In that um, frame and making this podcast shine, apparently that's my job now. Yeah. And you're just going to play bass behind my melody. Well, uh, we all know bassists are losers. But I just called you the bassist. I was kidding. Okay, did that one fall flat? Paul McCartney's a bassist. Only because he had to be a bassist. What do you mean? He played so many other instruments. He played the guitar. He could play drums. He played the piano. We know. He was the bassist in the Beatles. That's true. You can make the bass shine. Okay. Okay. I'll be the bassist. Have you read anything today of interest? Or do I have to also play that (laughs) melody and you can just come behind me with a backing beat? Does Dory Phantasmagory not count? I mean, sure it counts. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely counts. We are a household that loves the Abby Hanlon books, Dory Phantasmagory. And her sixth book just came out this September. We bought it. I bought it. Excuse me. Because my 10-year-old loves these books. To be clear, her reading level is well beyond (laughs) what these books require. But Dory Phantasmagory is hilarious. I mean, it's kind of like reading a, a, a comic strip to some degree. We all yeah, read comic strips. We it, can all read above a comic it's strip a little level. Bit, but. It really feels a little bit like Calvin and Hobbes, where you have, you have this kind of crazy, unpredictable kid with orangey colored hair and imaginary characters in these universes. And she just makes everybody's lives miserable around her. And the books are hilarious. And my our 10-year-old... Finished the book in about an hour because she just devoured the entire thing. I started to read the first chapter. I was laughing so hard. Tears were coming down my face. Because what you were laughing at it was, was a kid throwing oh up in his God. own hands. That's but what you were laughing that, at. That's the best part. Is that <laughs> I can't even get it. It's so funny. Basically, Dory's carrying around this purse that has a moldy, stinky ham sandwich in it. And the <laughs> This is not your brand of humor. I don't understand why it's you're so laughing funny. at this I so much. I think it's so <laughs> Because the pictures are so hilarious. Anyways, if you don't have kids and you're listening to this and you're like, whoa, this lady is really into children's books. You're damn right I am. It's so funny. It's like Calvin and Hobbes. Someday you should be so lucky to read these books. And if you don't have kids, you should still do it. They're hilarious. It made me happy. It gave me a jolt of energy today. (laughs) There was an op-ed in the New York Times a couple days ago, and it was by a writer who is affiliated with like a Catholic literary journal. So I've never heard of the guy before, but... Uh, he clearly has a um, a religious angle to his uh, to his uh, point of view. Cool. But he argues that uh, the banned book books week is somewhat akin to when we do a hashtag on social media 
or when we put a Ukraine sticker, Ukraine flag sticker on the back of our car, but we don't really do shit about it. We don't really make a difference. We just uh, virtue signal. He doesn't use that term, but that's essentially what he's saying. It's virtue signaling. Yeah. Oh, so all these independent bookstores, all of their um, displays this week on banned book week are all about what books have been quote unquote banned in schools. And we have a great independent uh, bookstore here in our town. It actually, we love our little bookshop. But uh, it's a great it's a great local bookstore. And yes, in fact, in the window this week are a bunch of quote unquote banned books and there's a big display about what, what, what books have been banned. And you know, my initial thought was uh, that doesn't that just bring is the, the Barbara Streisand effect. Doesn't it just bring more attention to those books? And yeah, it does. But uh, this guy, uh, Matthew Walther, um, in the New York Times. Who kind of looks like you with longer hair, by the way. Okay, stop looking at his picture. No, it's not about his picture. <laughs> anyway. Uh, he, he Sorry, argues... I'm reading a book by its cover. He... <laughs> <laughs> Judging a book by... Yeah. Um, judging, not judging, always judging. He argues that the books that are popularly uh, uh, described as being "quote unquote" banned are just ones that uh, public school systems used to buy a lot of, and now because of parent complaints, maybe they're buying fewer of them. But they're not actually books that you can't get your hands on. Nineteen eighty four, Catcher in the Rye. And this is where I thought you might have some input. Uh, a lot of book, a couple of books by Judy Bloom. Uh, you yeah. know, Judy Bloom. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah. And what's the um, one that uh, talks a lot about menstruation? Is it that one? Yeah, it's, it's that, that one. one. Yeah. Uh, he's like, these are ubiquitous and they're easy to get and they're not actually banned. It's just that. Well, it's like Harry Potter is banned in a couple of. School districts. And right, but it's schools. made one of the most uh, wealthy people on the planet. Uh, clearly, in, in movies, it, 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 it's, yeah. it's out there. People are consuming it. So is it a banned book? I mean, no, it's not a banned book. It's a... I mean, I tend to agree that it does have a Streisand effect where you once you say something is forbidden or off limits then human nature is just oh i must have it because it's a is it's a scarce commodity yeah so it suddenly becomes more valuable um i and i i mean it's it's hard today because there's so many wackadoos who are out there trying to get books banned in school districts i don't know if it was the new york times maybe it was the new york times or washington post but they had posted something on instagram they had created this video of this woman who basically goes through the lists of books at high schools and shows up at school district meetings complaining because she doesn't like certain ways that it you know it portrays sex or violence or whatever it's just it's a book she doesn't like because it makes her feel bad and so she'll go up to these school districts and pressure councils to ban them and and so does that have as much merit as if we were to talk about um you know how to kill a mockingbird 
Wait. Why do I not have that right? Man, I am tired. What is it? It's To Kill a Mockingbird. To, how to Kill a Mockingbird. Where's Kelly Jusman when you need her? She would know what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> to, whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's a t- tutorial book. It's like a recipe book. How to Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> and Forge Mushrooms. Yeah, and then cook it in three steps. Um, <laughs> you know what I was actually thinking, speaking of that? Uh, is that if you are proposing to a school district to ban a book, like I feel like the educators in that school district should make you as a parent or or concerned citizen, I feel like they should make you write a book report on it first. Ooh, I love Basically that. Prove that you read it and yeah. that you were thoughtful about it, and do yeah. a book report. Well, I've told you I. I've told you the story before, but when my mom was in high school, she was assigned to read Catcher in the Rye. And my grandmother actually sent a letter to the teacher asking that my mom not be required to read that book. And my grandmother's issue wasn't the language or the content. She just thought it was bad writing. <laughs> she just thought it was low quality literature. Are you and sure? That-, that sounds apocryphal. Like, like you... I'm sure she read a lot of things that were not highbrow, like like well written stuff. Uh, I, I bet you. I kind of think at that time it probably was my grandmother railing against the change in literary studies in the it's 60s. It's no more like Tom Wolfe, you can't go home again. It's like this like punk rock literature. Yeah, she probably yeah. was having more of an issue with that. Like, why isn't she reading Shakespeare, or Chaucer, or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always thought that that was so funny because uh, I agree. I also don't love Catcher in the Rye. You know, I don't. I think you formed that opinion at some early age in your teens. Probably, maybe, maybe you were. No, even... it was my senior year. That was one of the book options for us to read in my AP literature class. I am not like a. a, a, a Catcher in the Rye, bro, who's going to tell you how important it was to me. And, you know, uh, that's fine. We all my, have those books. My, you know, white privileged upbringing. Yep. Don't do it. But There's I no have always here. thought it is a book that could be read at any age, whether you're, you know, coming of age as a preteen or a teenager. You read it again in your 20s, you read it again maybe in your 40s. And it, and it, and it comes across differently. I think you should challenge yourself to have another go at it and see if you approach it differently or if you are so rigid in your thought that you simply just cannot because your mind is shut yep and your your view of yourself is hardened and you just can't allow yourself to try something new and different because it would be new and different. You're like, I decided when I was five years old, I didn't like bananas, and I haven't had a banana in three decades. Well, maybe maybe you'd like it. You always tell me. Actually, I, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. You always tell me yes. that your palate and maybe your hair texture, mm-hmm. something, something, something changes every seven and my, years. And my romantic tastes. That was appropriate radio silence because we were just staring. <laughs> we were just staring at each other's eyes. I don't think 
was trying the right to determine for me. Trying to determine, I was trying to determine if that was a joke or not. There's a, that's that's the thing with Ashley. It's like you have to know her well enough to know she's joking. She's not being serious. Most yeah. people don't know that, and then it scares them or causes them uh, uh, to, to lash out. And even though I have been with you for seventeen years. 17 years. Yeah. Sometimes I still don't know. And the <laughs> the way I try to judge that is to simply stop and stare and look at your face. <laughs> Does your face break? Does your face... I don't think that... Well, you know what? Every seven years, your, your what do you say? Your romantic interests change? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? It's like the seven-year itch. Well, yeah. Because you have this kind of... I mean, I think... There's some biology to it, right? Where you have this circadian rhythm where things just change every seven years. I would have to stop the podcast, open a Google tab, and try to search whether circadian and every seven years jive. I don't think they do. Circadian and every seven every seven years seems like hokum. It seems a little bit like... On the seventh day of the seventh year, well, the seventh why, son of the seventh son, it seems a little is, bit like this is why fakey. people came to this podcast was for hard hitting, fact based news. That's what they wanted. I could also so, tell you omelets are the official meal of France. So your point, they're not, is that your 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 belief is that your palate changes every seven years. Uh, your hair texture changes every seven years. Is that right? Have you told me that? Yes. You don't seem confident about that one. Well, you're asking me in a way that's making me think. I'm just trying to where remember. Where did I get that information from? And but, I think I got you, it. I think I got it about seven years ago. But have you told <laughs> it? To, have you told me that? Yes. Okay, you've told. I've me also that. told you a lot of other things. And so now you're telling me, and I don't believe you've told me before. Now you're telling me. That your romantic inclinations change. Not mine, other people's. Ones. Mine has not, obviously. Or they've changed twice since we've known each other. Back and back again. Okay. Oh, great. It, great. Like, maybe, great. maybe I was kind of like, mm, no. And then you, then you said, let's have a baby. And I was like, oh, no, I'm stuck with this guy. And then that was... That's the whole point of having a baby. Yeah. It's like, let's just Like, this get is it getting done. boring. I'm getting itchy. Because that was... Blah, now I'm distracted. Because that was seven years. Like, that was our seven-year anniversary was when, like, right after Ellis was born. And can I use the words master plan? Nope. Because I know for a fact that was not, not the, the plan. master yeah, plan. Fair, fair that point. That was a surprise that to was everybody. An oopsie. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Unexpected, but not unloved. <laughs> that's 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 the motto on that one. Wait. So where were, rewind me on that? Where were we on the seven year thing? Palette hair. Oh. oh, so you should Fan try bananas. Oh. You should try bananas. No, I'm not going to try bananas. I don't want to. I, I don't, Look, I've gotten to a spot where I don't mind them in my smoothies. Oh, oh. Yeah, oh. I'm I'm trying to make small movements in that regard. Because when I met you, it was like, the banana taints everything. Yes. It and ruins I will, everything. I can tell you, it, I still taste it, but I 
acknowledge that it provides creaminess to the mm. smoothie that I don't hate. Okay. Yes. And so will you then read Catcher in the Rye? No. <laughs> Why? Have a have a chunk of banana. Read Catcher in the Rye. Because it's stupid. I've 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 started to read that first chapter so many times, and I'm just like, oh, this guy sounds like a petulant baby. Who? I mean, I. I use a lot of swear words, but I think in the book it all just feels a little. No, see, no. It no, all just seems uh-uh, kind of like nope, fucking unnecessary. Nope, nope. Get it? Did you get it? Nope. Did you catch that? Nope. All the careful listeners out there are realizing that you don't even remember the story. He sees the well, word. Well, I read it more than seven years ago. He sees the word fuck written on. Oh, the playground equipment. Somewhere. And he gets mad that the kids can see it. His little sister. His little sister. And he gets upset. Chloe? Zoe? I have no idea. Uh, And he's upset at the the swear word. He's upset at the obscenity. Oh, that's right. No, he's not the one like dropping F-bombs ever. He's like upset. He's fucking upset that someone wrote an obscenity where well, his little kid sister could see it i would agree it's a sweet boy okay it's a sweet okay. sensitive okay. boy okay you know what maybe i will get around to it uh after i read other books i'm more interested in which come out every day yep yeah there's always new books so on the band book front uh oh wait what i wanted what i wanted to ask you about oh yeah on that front because i never read them because i was a boy in the 80s not a girl, and so I never read any of the Judy Bloom books. Had, did you read those books? So, and were they the? Because my understanding is that a whole generation of girls read these books and learned about menstruation and other things from Judy Bloom. So I think. Uh, so I did not. I mean, I read the Judy Bloom, Ramona Quinby, and Beezus series. Uh. Which is not the Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret book. Uh, I did not ever actually read that book. I've read excerpts of it that were included in magazines that I read or journals or other things, but I've never actually sat down and read it. From my experience, uh, I think like a lot of the old, what we were all called like geriatric millennials, which is like a horrible offensive. I actually like the Oregon Trail millennial hmm. name. That makes me actually really happy and also speaks to my experience. Um, As an Oregonian. Not, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> but I just, like I remember the old video game and I think that kind of speaks to our experience with technology and... And kind of yeah, I just get like nobody's gonna history. know what Oregon. Nobody knows what Oregon Trail is anymore. No one's gonna know what that is in in a while. Like yeah, but I think you, like, like are you a, would you would you say you're a cassette tape, uh, millennial? That has not been used, but I'm I don't think it would wondering. be wrong. I remember when CDs were issued out into the world, so I think I'd be more of like a compact disc millennial. For 
a lot of us, we got our kind of education in that space from... The menstruation space. Yes. Okay. We got that in the, whatever they called it, sex ed, family life, whatever that education program like was called. Like seventh grade? Well, it starts in fourth... I mean, oh, for wow. us, it started in fourth grade. And I think there's a lot of us out there for a long time who couldn't eat pancakes because there was this video... <laughs> oh, I don't even know what this is, but I'm already Oh, my God. It cringing. was horrible. So it was a video we watched where this girl goes and spends the night at her friend's house. And while she's there, she has her first period. Did she put a pancake on her vagina no ew well hold on it's actually not that far off hold on this friend's mom is like, it would soak it up pretty decently ew, yucky that's gross anyway let's get there let's get i know there story. I'm, now i'm like regardless hold on it's not that great so this mom of this friend is so sweet she's like the mom we all would have loved to have had because she's like it's okay that you bled through your clothes like we'll just give you some new fresh pajamas and you're just thinking what universe whose mom is ever going to actually respond like that my not 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 anyone i knew well what, what would your mom have done i don't know i never talked to her about like, it like cast her out into the street Unclean lady, go Probably. home. Walk the street naked. I, mean, I think she would have like, been what? nice, no, she but yeah, this this mom. Your was mom like, would have oh, gotten somebody. No, but a this new mom pajamas. was over the top. Well, she was so over the top though, because the next morning she's making pancakes in the kitchen. She's whipping up this big bowl of batter, and as she's talking to the girls about, you know, what happens, she makes pancakes in the shape of. Like a vulva? Yes, and fallopian no! tubes. Are you kidding me? Yes, and then she puts it on the plate, and someone pours maple syrup all over the pancakes. And I remember all of us because they divided the boys from the girls. Wait, and what are you supposed to learn from that? About like what happens like, this during is your menstruation. Brain on drugs? Any questions? This kind is your fallopian of. tubes on menstruation? Yeah, any questions? Kind of. And I remember <laughs> we all sat there, and the whole class went, "Ew!" I don't think that video was delivered in the way it was intended because I think there was a there was a subgeneration of us ladies out there who did not want to eat pancakes after that video. So, I think for well, a lot it's of, been 7 or 14 years you should eat pancakes again. I I actually have not. I think I'm <laughs> that and bananas this is not going to happen. So, I think there's a lot of us where we got more of that education, had those conversations in more focused curriculum in the classroom and we weren't having to seek out books along those lines because but we me had ask, you know, educators well, let trying me to ask talk you it this. through us. Let me ask you this. When the time came around for your period, was it a mystery to you or did you know what that was? Yeah, I knew what it was. You knew what it was? Yeah. Okay. So there so apparently there was a gener- there were generations of women who Literally didn't. They didn't well, know what it was. And that's still the case in a lot of parts of the world. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked when we were working on this health and wellness campaign in India and finding out that women in India didn't have really basic education about women's health and cramps and kind of, you know, basic hygiene. And I still have a really hard time 
wrapping my head around that because I think this is one of the world's oldest societies mm. where they've given birth to billions of babies, <laughs> billions, yeah. billions of babies. And how do they not understand how their bodies operate and reproduce and what they're dealing with? But I, but I also understand that the education has been withheld from them. And so there's a lot of mystery uh, out in places where education's just not there. Well, the, this this whole this whole banned book discussion and the, the Judy Bloom connection and the, it made me wonder. We have a ten year old girl. Have you do you do you think she knows what is coming? Ugh, I don't know. I don't want to talk to her about it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm... Have you never had a conversation with her about it? No, I tried to give her the American Girl book. And uh, she didn't want to do it. So she does not know that at some point very soon in life that she will, like, on a monthly cycle, be bleeding out of her body and that she's not going to die from that. It's normal. She doesn't know that? I don't know. I don't really want to have this. I don't even want to have this. I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to have this conversation right now on a microphone. Okay. Well, great. Well, I'm great. I'm grateful that the op-ed in the New York Times about banned books and er, therefore Judy Bloom uh, brought this up because I kind of assumed you had already been frank with her about that, and now I'm learning you haven't. And I mean, look. I here's what I would say connecting this back to the op-ed. I am so grateful that there are authors out there who have written on topics and things that a lot of people that we can outsource our parenting to. No, I think what it is is like <laughs> there's a lot of people who are just uncomfortable having certain discussions regardless of whether it's a fact of life or not. And I think that pioneers like Judy Bloom have made it easier for people to talk about it in a much more scientific manner and really, uh, really thoughtful about it and just kind of like, hey, here's how it is. And so, yeah, I feel bad about it, but I would also say it's great to know that there's resources out there and I could say, hey, if you if you don't feel comfortable talking to me about it, you can talk to some, you know, you can read a book, you can talk to somebody else about it or, you know, whatever. Judy, bloom it up. This is why we have two godmothers for each of our girls. Yeah. You got you got friends. But that's I mean that's the thing. It's like you have that You hear that, Wendy? You're getting the training bra. Oh my god, she would love that. Yeah, she would. Um probably more than I would actually. We should just like <laughs> In fact, that. even if you're still alive and kicking, which you yeah. will be, yeah. we'll probably just outsource that to Wendy anyway. Yeah, I'll just be like, Wendy, can you do this? And she'll be like, Oh my god, of course. That was a terrible impersonation of her, but I like I can feel the energy. <laughs> She would just do it. She'd be so into it. Hi, Captain. Yeah. We're doing this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, no, band books are interesting because I think that they do really push you out of your comfort zone and they do make you acknowledge real truths and honesties. And I think that's what is so scary to some people, right? Like you're talking about something that is too real. It's too raw. It makes you feel too vulnerable to really acknowledge it because every banned book 
is really based in the hardness of humanity and the fragility of our bodies. Fragility of our bodies? I mean, if you think about the Judy Bloom thing, right? Like what why are people why do people hate so much reading about menstruation? Because like women's bodies make them like it makes them uncomfortable. If I think about other banned books The Satanic Verses? Well, not that one. But if I think about the one that we have in our house that is the book Drama by Raina Talgemeier, uh, you know, it's a graphic novel that's written for teenagers and people have an issue with it because it it portrays, you know, gay romance. Those That book has been banned. And, you know, our, our 10-year-old loves that book. She's read it. It doesn't bother her. Like, she doesn't know that gay love is taboo in certain parts of the country which i think is great but i think for the people who banned it that really freaked them out like heaven forbid there be 16 year old boys who know they don't love girls that they love other boys and that freaks people out particularly parents because they can't control it they can't undermine it all they can do is make people feel bad about themselves and so they ban those books and I, I just think that you're exposed to something like that and the fear is oh now that you know that exists you might choose to do that or be that for yourself and that's not been my experience i read books about things i didn't know about and it just enlightens me it's just like okay well now i'm gonna be more compassionate toward that i'm not gonna choose to do it like I, I don't read a book about, um, you know, uh, uh, someone who's a hardcore addict. I, at a very young age, I, I read a book called Go Ask Alice, mm. which is about, um, you know, drug addiction. Like, I didn't, I didn't think, oh, I'm a drug addict now. Yeah. I, I just, I, I just like, well, now I'm going to be maybe a little bit more aware that that's something that happens in the world and that's out there. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe I can equate it to music. You hear music and, and, and you think, I've never heard that kind of music before. Uh, hey, I've never heard, you know, uh, gangster rap. I'm not going to go out and be like, well, I guess maybe that is the fear that, that you want to yeah. emulate that. I mean, that was my maybe parents' that a, fear. Like, I, I, I didn't, I, I just like, oh, that's a thing that happens out there F- for me. And I grew up in Southern California, very close to uh, the the in, in the era of the Bloods and the Crips in in yeah. South Los Angeles. Like, I didn't say like, "Oh, I am gonna go do that now." I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Shit, that's happening. Uh, that's something that's happening." Like, I'm just aware of it. Uh, not, I want to participate. I, but maybe people do. Maybe people do. I don't know. I guess that, that's, that's I mean, true. I think that's the thing that people get scared about is if you get exposure to new ideas or new ways of thinking about it, once they're exposed to those notions, can they be controlled? But here's what I think about. It's a about. little bit like God in here's the what I think Garden about. of Eden. Honestly, what I think about is like, oh, wait, uh, girl, lesbianism, right? Girls can love girls. And then what I think about, oh, throughout history... How many women can we 
well-known women can we talk about who probably were lesbian, mm-hmm. but were in marriages because that was what you were supposed to do. That's how you protected yourself. Yeah. They suppressed that thing. And is it because if they had read something about that, would they have said, ooh, ooh, that's me? Or or is it that that's who they were, but because of the morals of the day, they just suppressed that? I think that's more likely the case. It's more likely that they... I think it was that, but I think the literature is represents those times and those morals, right? Like you would never have had a book about out there professing the values of lesbian love because that would have been so horribly taboo. Talk to me about, I know you studied this, the feminine mystique. I don't know anything about it. I, I know of it, but I don't, I haven't read it. I don't, what is that one? So it's a book by Betty Friedan. I can. I thought I had it on our. Oh, we have it right here in this room. <laughs> we might actually have it in this room, but it might be upstairs. Okay. Uh, Betty Friedan was oh, like trying to dust off the cobwebs on this one. Basically, the idea was written that women from in the in the period in which the book was published, which was the early '60s, maybe '62, I think. That women of that era had been raised, they came out of the Great Depression, they were raised to believe that their role in society was to get married, have babies, and support the household from within. They weren't really encouraged to have jobs, they weren't really expected to go out and make money, they were completely dependent upon their husband. Well, the problem was World War II really fucked that all up because when the boys went off to war, they needed the these women, women to, to yeah. build the airplanes and the missiles. They probably felt great about that. They, they were productive. It. Yeah. They loved it. So you had all these women who were out there and they were in supervisory roles and they were making Oof. money and they suddenly I can't had, imagine. They had this world that was outside of the home. They had organizational structure. They were managing people. They had networks of support. And they were contributing to society in very tangible ways. I mean, truly, these women would build an airplane and see it take off into the sky. Awesome. Awesome. It's just like so... It it was... I can't even imagine what a shock. that. Yeah. I mean, it must have just even been a shock because a lot of those women... They were babies during the Depression. And so to come from a period in which you food was scarce and energy was, you know, energy bills, like energy in your house, like it was still, still so very physical and manual. And then suddenly you're working, you know, at the port of Oakland building bombs that were yeah, being so loaded we're, up we're, onto you're, ships. So you're describing the swing between the Great Depression into World War Two, and then what? Here's what happens: the boys come back from the war, and all the girls are these women are said, "Okay, well now you have to go back into the household. Now yeah, you have to go back and be to what you were before." Yeah. And a lot of these women got back to the households, and this isn't rewarding. It was not great. This isn't, yeah, uh, I mean it's important stuff. I mean, look, I, I I've been a stay at home dad for 
the most, uh, the better part of the past 12 years. Well, we haven't had a kid for 12 years. Whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I was going to say, no, almost seven years. About. Yeah, okay, there we go. A lot of years. Yeah. I see the value in it. It's great. It's but super important. If, 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 if you if you put me in a place where I was like watching, I single-handedly put a, a, a Tesla car off the line and it drove off and went to the, and, and now or you know sending a rocket into space and then okay now go make school lunches and that's not all. because of anything you had done either by the way yeah like not because it, you didn't do a good job yeah. at sending the rocket into space no nope. just because ah now the boys are back or now the yeah. professionals or whatever are back <laughs> You know, again, I think back to my grandmother, my my mom's mom, who graduated from Cal summa cum laude uh, when she was just twenty, because she she was she got into to Cal when she was sixteen, double major, honor society. I mean, she like for all you know intents and purposes she was this highly intelligent person and what happened what did she what did she do with that double major double minor those honors she was a housewife and it suddenly became and I, you know i loved my grandmother a lot but i would say it was very apparent that she had potential unfulfilled yeah. And that presented yeah. itself in very toxic relationships and this kind of obsession with visible appearances and being on the right committees and, you know, being the president of this garden club and that garden club because you had these women who had so much potential, so much intelligence, so much ability to go out and change the world. And a lot of those women during World War II, they had done those things. And then suddenly, back in the household, they weren't doing it. And yeah, it was a it was a drag. And so when Betty Friedan wrote it, she wrote about these women who were essentially living in these constant states of depression, very, you know, un, unrecognized depression where drinking all day, smoking. Betty you know, Draper. Yeah, very Betty Draper because they really didn't feel like they had a lot of meaning in life. And so she wrote that book outlining the kind of the historical arc of this, what women, what women were going up against. She had interviewed women. It was a very anthropological look at the state of, of womanhood in America in the late 50s and early 60s. We should talk about it. Why? Because everybody's going through it. Yeah. Everybody's, it's, that's, you're not alone. You're, you're well, not unique. And that or, even like, connects to like my favorite recipe book, how to cook a mockingbird where (laughs) (laughs) jokes you tried you tried tried. you tried that book i think is powerful in the fact that you have this little little white girl who is very clearly recognizing racism from the mouths of babes and i think that's what it was is it made people uncomfortable because they realized well if there's a book about you know, white kids recognizing this, why aren't adults realizing it? 
is there a world that out there? That is the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah is yeah, there yeah, a world out yeah. there in which everybody knows this and we're not talking about it? And I think to your point, that's absolutely the case with the feminine mystique, where that was what was so. Oh, I made a point. You really did. Oh wow! But now I'm going to articulate it for you. That these. I've already forgotten it. Yeah, that <laughs> the feminine mystique was that this was a study or it was a research where all, these were shared experiences across an entire world of women and they hadn't really put all of those thoughts together and they didn't realize there was a community out there that was thinking and feeling the same way. And I, again, that kind of goes back to why I think these books were banned because people wanted to put the lid back on the pot, right? Like mm. they saw the water was boiling Nope, you can't, like, let's put the lid back on. Let's try to cut it. And they, they, you can't do it. It's never, it's never the right strategy. No. Let the thing boil. Let it come out. Let it, let's like, just like, let it be. Yeah. And so there's kind of, there's something just like very degrading about it. And the fact that. Have you read it, Mein Kampf? Have you read it? No, I've not. I haven't either. I have no real interest in it. I mean, the guy was an artist, not an author. So. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> and like a, not a, he was a, fa- a failed artist. He was a, a he really was a he was a really bad painter. Just like some other dude is a failed businessman. Realist. Let's uh, not. Reality. Get, that's show. not what this podcast is about. No, we're no. here to talk about menstruation. So, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna talk about menstruation. <laughs> uh, men, menstruation. 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 Do you ever say that? You ever, no, you ever, never. You never use that word. Like you're a never. woman who menstruates. But you're not like, hey, gal, like, are you menstruating? Never. No. And also, I would never say that to anybody. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. 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 So, our final segment of this podcast okay. is uh, a moment of gratitude that we have gotten this far and nobody has stormed out of the room. We haven't gotten divorced mid-podcast. For the and, last seven years. And so I think what, as we go to bed. Yeah, it's late. I'm tired. I think that we should uh, just name something that we're looking forward to in the next next week or the next few days, the next, next, between now and the next podcast. But you got something. You got something. I always do. I'm a communications professional. I'm always going to have a talking point. So what are you looking forward to? I love fall. Mm, I love mm. autumn. I love the crispness in the air and the leaves changing. I wake up every morning this time of year fucking over the moon because even, I, I, I didn't tell you this. I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I look out the window and it looked like we were in this cloud. I mean, I could not see anything beyond our you know, outside of our windows. And it wasn't because I didn't have my glasses on. I was just, I was like, what is happening? And it was because it was this thick drizzle outside of the house and everything was just wet, but it wasn't a heavy rain. And it made me so happy. Mm. (laughs) I just, I love the fall. I love everything about it. Ah! So I look forward to every morning during this time of year and just seeing the leaves Whatever color the sky may be, it makes me happy. That's what I'm grateful for. Hey, so here's the deal. <laughs> so I have like a new, I have a new, a new, a new gig 
that's going to require me to be at a uh, workstation, a, a computer, uh, for a number of hours a day. And I am excited about getting a new desk and a new chair and a new maybe rug, uh, maybe considering what will be on the background of my uh, video conference, you know, what, what's in the background people are going to see and kind of like uh, designing a space. Uh, and I got a couple of uh, desks coming for you and for me Ooh. for our uh, work area. And they get really bad reviews on oh, Wayfair. And but they so look so cute. I think the thing I'm excited about is, can I put these things together better than most other customers in a way that they work, whereas other customers say they they don't work? I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I want to be like a. That's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about putting together wow. a desk that gets really bad reviews. You're like spite. You're yeah. You're like basically spite building a desk. Yes. Okay, but is there gonna be a time frame in which you do this, or is this gonna be one of those lingering well construction well, one, projects? One the desk house? will go together really quickly. Okay. The other desk. I'll probably just build it myself. No, no, no. If I determine it's bad, like everybody says it is online. Then I'll send the other one back. If I can figure it out, then I'll build next whenever you say it. Uh, anyway, that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Stop being a downer. I'm saying what I'm looking I'm forward not being to. A downer. No, yeah, you are. I'm you're, being you're, a being, you're being negative. I'm being you're a being negative. I'm and sorry, I'm, I'm trying to say that I'm excited about it. I'm looking <sighs> forward to putting together a desk, and I'm looking forward to putting it to, together better than all the other people who have done it before me. Okay. Okay, babe. Like that's yeah. fine. You you spite build that desk. Spite build. We're just gonna have to like smudge it afterwards and just kind of like with clear. sage, like a, yeah. like, a, like a witchy. Because you don't thing. want that bad energy, like permeating into your desk and then your work products. You want it to be just really positive. That's your job. And you want that's your job. The creator to be there with you. Well, here's the deal. If People have gotten this far in the podcast. Highly doubtful. They clearly <laughs> are enjoying it. And what they should do is they should give us a great review on whatever service they are listening to. Oh, it's the stars. The stars. But we only like positive feedback. So if you have Oh, neg- yeah. Oh, if it's any less than five stars, don't do it. Yeah. Just if don't you've spend got your negative time. feedback, then get the fuck out of here. Like, we don't want you here. You're gone. Also... If you don't want to do it publicly, but you want to email us privately, you can email us at ourdailyredpod at gmail.com. Oh my God, you set up an email yes. address? Holy moly. And it moly. can be, red can be spelled either R-E-D or R-E-A-D, ourdailyredpod you at got gmail.com. Well, I, don't, I, wow. I wanted to compensate for the fact that people might spell it different ways. Ourdailyredpod at gmail.com. And Just don't e- don't email me. I don't want negative feedback. I only take positive. And feedback. I'm gonna try out a tagline. You want to? Ooh, what's the tagline? Okay, okay, here we go. It's until next time. Read something, drink something, and get into it with someone you love, without blowing up your relationship. And then lob some balls. We need a better tagline. You need to workshop that. Yeah. But that's here's that. here's what I would say. I'm listening. Okay. Maybe I hear. Okay. Oh wait, 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 no, 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 no,
or 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 email us at ourdailyredpod.com to tell them, uh, whatever it is at gmail.com to um uh, man you, you gave it away with singing the song man you gave it you gave it away you gave it away no i didn't most people won't know it okay the i'm listening tag let us know where that's from uh is there more wine left? There's there's more <laughs> wait, there's always more wine. Uh